0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Within our words, an unseen power is set in motion. The tongue is a small thing, but like a tiny spark, can set a great forest on fire. Once spoken, our words begin blazing a trail through the hearts and lives of those around us. One kind word can demolish guilt, can inspire hope, but the same words have also embraced hatred and executed innocence. Once spoken, our words scorch through feelings and emotions on a level that only they can produce. Your words set up a chain of events beyond your control and of which you will never know. One word can destroy beliefs, harden hearts, or cultivate hatred, but they can also demonstrate faith, display forgiveness, and nurture love. The power of life and death lies in a single word, and we, the image of God, have this power in one word.
1: You know, a lot of y'all know that um, I I have a group of about 300 people that I email every week. I call them my email prayer warriors, Been doing it for um, for several years now, Uh, actually about twenty years now. Um, And this group of people, and if you want to be a part of this group, all you got to do is let me know. But let me tell you about this group. This group of people, they have one responsibility: they're praying for this moment right now. Every week, they pray for this moment. Uh, On Mondays, I will email them and send them uh, what I'm preaching the next Sunday. And and uh, and so they pray specifically for this moment every every week. I think I think it's important to have just a big group of people praying about that. So if you want to be a part of that group, just shoot me your email address and I'll add you to the group. And it's a real short email. I don't I don't make it a big long thing. It's just a real short email. Kind of gives a little snapshot of what happened today. And then I'll like tomorrow morning I'll tell what happened today and all the people that are about to get saved in this service. And you know, I'll tell I'll tell them about that. And then and then uh uh give my sermon title for next week and and that's it and then i drop at the bottom i'll put the name of somebody that's not saved that needs to be saved and we pray for them so if you want to, but anyway so this past week i sent out my uh i sent out my sermon text and title for this message today and the title of this message today is don't run your mouth james chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 now, you don't have to turn there yet we'll get there in just a minute but the title of the message is don't run your mouth and so immediately I got an email back from somebody, this one of my email prayer warriors uh, that's a member of our church, and uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but Spence Shepherd emailed me back immediately <laughs> and me, emailed me back immediately and said, "I don't think I need to be there for that sermon today." So anyway, uh, is Spence here? He, uh, he's a man of his words, so anyway, all right, so, uh, but, uh so here we go. I mean, this is what we're talking about today. You know anybody that runs their mouth too much? Raise your hand if you know somebody that runs their mouth too much. Don't be looking at your husband or wife. You're going to be in trouble if you do that. How many of you run your mouth too much? Raise your hand. How many of you know if you run your mouth too much, you get yourself in trouble? Anybody know that too? I'm just telling you, it's where we are. It's a reality of, of life. And, and uh, you know, we use a lot of words over the course of our lives. It's crazy. Think about Check this out. The Lord's Prayer has 56 words. The Gettysburg Address has 266 words. The Ten Commandments have 297 words. The Declaration of Independence has 300 words. A U.S. government order to set the price of cabbage has 26,911 words. I mean, we use a lot of words. It is estimated that in an average, um, that most people speak enough in one week to fill up a large 500-page book. That means over the course of an average lifetime, that amounts to about 3,000 volumes or 1.5 million pages of words that you're going to speak over the course of your life, average, if you live an average lifespan. And what's even more attention-getting with that fact or that thought is that Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, he said, and I'll tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So, man, that makes me think, if I get to the end of my life, I live to an average age, whatever that is, probably late 70s, early 80s, something like that, and I'm going to speak 1.5 million pages of words. I wonder how many of those words were idle words. thats You know, we've all heard that little... Silly thing that we used to say when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones or words will never hurt me. The truth of the matter is the first part of that is absolutely the truth. Sticks and stones will break your bones. But the second part of that uh, little phrase is absolutely biblically wrong. Where it says words will never hurt me, that's absolutely false. That is biblically incorrect. Because James is going to make it abundantly clear that those things coming out of our mouth, the way we use our tongue, we can speak the name of Jesus if we want to and we should, James makes it really clear to us that this thing can be used in some ways that can be very destructive. I think it's so interesting, we get to James chapter 3, and we're going to look at that in just a minute, we'll get there in just a minute, so don't turn there yet, unless you already have, but just hang on, that James is going to circle back to this subject today. We've already heard him say this, we looked at this a few weeks ago. By the way, if you're here today, you're a guest or you hadn't been here in a while, uh, we're in about the sixth week of a sermon series on the book of James called uh, Faith That Works. And, and uh, that's the title of the series is Faith That Works. And so we're about six weeks into this thing. But we've already seen in James chapter 1, verse uh, 19, James has already said, we preached on this a few weeks ago, James has already said you need to be slow to speak. Remember we talked about that? Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to get angry. So he talked about that. And then he, and then he said in that same passage, verse twenty six, chapter 1, verse 26, he said, if you claim to be religious but you ain't controlling your tongue, you, are, you have a worthless religion. <laughs> so he already said, be slow to speak. If you're not controlling your tongue, then your religion is worthless. Then he goes on down to chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and he talks about when we speak in a discriminating way against people. And talk down to people because of who they are, or the color of their skin, or the place that they live, or something like that. And when you do that, he says you are showing that you have evil motives in your life. And now he's going to come back to it in chapter 3, verses 1-12, through 12, and take 12 verses and talk about it. So now you can turn to it, if you hadn't already. James chapter 3, verses 1-12. through 12, And we're going to read this passage of Scripture and, and think about this today. James 3... 1 through 12. Hey, stand up, please, if you would, for the reading of God's word. So the scripture says here Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach, in other words, those of us who use our words to teach, like I'm doing right now, like life group leaders just did. Life group leader, if you just taught in your life group, are you going to be teaching? I'm talking to you. James is talking to you right now. Michael, he's talking to you right now. He's talking to us who teach and use our words. And that can be moms and dads who teach their kids. So this, this applies to a whole lot of people. You know that we who teach will be judged with greater strict, strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large... And are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, staining the whole body. That means defiling and corrupting your whole body. setting setting on fire the entire course of your life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, brought under, uh, under control, subdued, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame or bring under control or subdue the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord. I won't speak the name of Jesus. And with it, we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Absolutely not. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Nope. Or a grapevine produce figs? Nope. Neither can a salt pine yield fresh water. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning. Let's jump into this. Let's pray together. Help us, Father, now to hear from You as You speak to our hearts, and Your Spirit moves and teaches now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Small things make a big impact. Uh, my daddy had a stroke when he uh, had a heart attack when he was sixty-five years old, and it was a some small piece of plaque that clogged up the artery almost killed him you have a stroke when a small blood clot breaks off and travels to your brain and you have a stroke you have one cancerous cell that that grows and turns into a life-threatening tumor you get an eyelash in your eye and it drives you nuts you get a little pebble in your shoe and it drives you crazy because small things can make big impacts And a lot of times we think small sins small whatever we, we like to categorize our sins, don't we? Those small sins, we think they're not that big a deal, and yet James had already told us, we already, we've already seen that. In chapter 1, back there in chapter 1, verses uh, uh, 14 and 15, that those small sins will grow and kill us, just like cancer. He said in 14, 1, 14 and 15, Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We, you know, we categorize our little small sins, and then they end up turning into major life-altering, life-threatening sins that affect us, our families, our churches, our whole communities, the whole world. And James gives some illustrations here in James chapter 3 of some small things that make a big difference. He, he, he talked about there in, in uh, verse 3, he said, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole body. So he's talking about a bit in the mouth of a horse. Average weight of a horse is going to be 1,200, 1,300 pounds. A bit weighs about half a pound. Half a pound can change the course of a 1,300 pound animal. And he talks about the rudders on a ship that he said there that look at the ships. They, they're, they're so large, they're driven by strong winds, but they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now back then Ships were different back then, so let's make a modern-day application of it right now. The United States Navy has an aircraft carrier, uh, a class of aircraft carrier, called the Nimitz class of aircraft carriers. The the USS Gerald R. Ford is the largest aircraft carrier in the world, and it's a Nimitz class aircraft carrier. Those aircraft carriers have two rudders on them, to to guide them through the water, two rudders. Each one of those rudders weighs 110,000 pounds. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, John. (laughs) I thought we were talking about little things guiding big things, making a difference in big things. So you're telling me about uh, uh, 110,000-pound rudders. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Let me tell you how much the Nimitz-class carrier weighs. A Nimitz-class aircraft carrier weighs one. 100, uh weighs 100,000 tons. 200 million pounds is how much that aircraft carrier weighs that is steered by that small, in comparison, rudder. Small things make a big difference. One spark left somebody out in the woods at a campfire, campsite, and thought they put it out and left, left a little ember burning. Next thing you know, the whole woods are on fire. Somebody's smoking their Marlboros, going down the road, flicks it out the window, rolls over into the dry grass. We ain't had rain since before Labor Day, and and all of a sudden, the whole field's on fire. House is burning down. Barn's burning down. Somebody's dying. One little spark, one little cigarette. And, and And the same is true of our tongue. The average length of your tongue is three inches. Now I know you want to stick your tongue out right now and see if that's the truth, but uh, the average length of your tongue is about three inches. The average weight of your tongue is about two and a half ounces. The average weight of a, of a person, a human being in the United States of America, is about 178 pounds. I wish that was I wish I was average. I'm I'm above average, but uh, 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 but that's the average weight of a person in the United States of America is 178. So two and a half ounces of your tongue controlling. 180-pound person That tongue as James says is a small member of your body, but it makes a Huge difference. It's crazy to think that a, a, a Part of your body that is less than three ounces can wreck your life and the lives of multitudes of people and It can and that's what James is talking about and That's what we're gonna talk about because the application of this message is that you need to remember that your words have impact both positively and negatively we have to remember that that our words have impact and if there is anywhere that we need to remember that it's in the church man I tell you there's so I've seen it so many times in churches the impact of words that are spoken misspoken spoken out of turn spoken out of context spoken in a wrong evil Kind of way we'll talk about those things in just a minute because there's two points I want to make. I'm, I'll go ahead and give you a, a full, dis, full disclosure, two points, but I got four sub points under each one of them. So, so just hang on for the ride. Here we go. First point is this. First heading is wrong uses of your words. There's some wrong ways, obviously, w- wrong ways that we can use our words. First way is we blame God. We use our words to blame God. You back up over. If you've got your Bibles, keep your Bible open and look at James 1, 13 and 14. We've already looked at this verse let no one say when he's tempted i'm being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one james 1:13 so temptation is a part of the christian life we already read up there in james chapter 3 verse 2 the part of our one of the verses in our passage for today where james said we all stumble in many ways amen <laughs> we all stumble in many ways amen we do And James said, and then then Paul said it in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all stumble. So temptation, it happens. But there's a tendency for us to lay the blame elsewhere when that temptation hits. When that temptation hits for us to run our mouth in a way we shouldn't, we're going to blame it. Yeah, but but this situation I'm in. (laughs) And we even want to blame God. Well, He just made me that way. I can't help it. I can't, God just made me that way. No, he didn't. He didn't make you like that. Don't be blaming God. It's an amazing, frightful thing to think that we would shake our fist in the face of the God of the universe and say, I blame you for my sin. That ain't God. Now, you might not really intentionally do that, literally shake your fist in the face of God, but we show do it when we tend to kind of dismiss our sin and our temptation as, well, I can't help myself you're indirectly saying, well, it's God's fault because he's he's the one who let me get in this situation. He's the one who put me in this situation. He's the one who did this. He's the one who made me this way. That's a wrong use of your tongue, wrong use of your words to blame God. Secondly, another another wrong use of your words is just simply bad language. (laughs) Ephesians 4.29, I put it up on the screen there. You don't have to turn to it, but I put it up there. Look at this. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what's good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. Obviously, foul language is uh, shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life. And, and we are. Last week we talked about the fact that we are an angry people. <laughs> Our society is angry. It's filtered into the church. There's anger in the church. I mean, we're just we're just angry. And, and not only are we angry, but we're an obscene society. And we saw, Vicky and I saw it, we saw the anger and the obscenity yesterday on the soccer field with our 10-year-old daughter. And it wasn't the kids on the field, it was the parents right down the way from us. To the point that the ref had to come over and say, if y'all don't shut your mouth, we're shutting this game down. I thought he was about to get killed. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what happens. Well, i tell you what, you ain't going to talk to me like that. You know, and then, they, then there you go, and it's all over YouTube and Facebook, and everybody, you know, goes viral. So, and, and we're just obscene, man. That verse says don't let foul language come out of your mouth. That, that, uh, uh, that's one of the many ways that we stumble. That, that word foul means rotten, worthless, bad. Rotten, worthless, and bad. And there's different ways that our language can be foul and rotten and worthless and bad. Obviously, maybe the most obvious one is profanity. That we just let it rip, you know, and, and we just let that junk come out of our lives. Whatever's in your heart's coming out of your mouth, by the way. That's what Jesus said. Or we tell off-color jokes, obscene jokes, racially motivated jokes, sexually uh, uh, obscene jokes. We gossip about people. Man, that has destroyed people and destroyed churches when gossip gets going in churches, when slander happens and we're just running each other down and we're talking bad about this person, that person, and, and then malicious talk, malicious language that is intentionally focused on hurting that other person and doing intentionally trying to tear that person down with your mouth. And, 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 and James has said, well, Paul said in Ephesians 4, that, that, don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. Don't let it come out of your mouth because all of those things come under the category of wrong, sinful usage of our words. Another way that we use our words wrongly is boastfulness, boasting. Look at what James says back in verses 14 through 16. Drop on down there in James chapter 3. Drop on down to verses 14 through 16. Look at what he says there. Uh, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. When I'm thinking about me, and the focus is all on me, and I got the big head about me, and I start talking about how special I am, then I'm in trouble. You think, man, what's, that, what's the big deal about that? What's the, what, why is that such a big deal? Did you not see how detrimental and how destructive it is? J- James says, where that stuff exists, there will be disorder. Disorder. It says that there. Were, this stuff is verse fifteen. This this wisdom that comes that comes down does not come down from above, but it is earthly. It's just worldly stuff. It is unspiritual. It's what unsaved people do. It is demonic. The Living Bible translates that by saying these kind of words, boastful, prideful words are inspired by the devil. And the result is is that it brings disorder into the church and brings every vile practice into the church you know why because that's the kind of stuff satan does satan's all about some disorder satan's all about some vile practices satan the reason he got kicked out of heaven was because of pride because he was boasting about himself i ought to be god i'll show you who's god you're out and and so That kind of junk can't come out of our mouths. That's the wrong use. And then one more is breaking God's heart. We just break God's heart. We just break God's heart. Verses 9 and 10 says, from the same mouth, we ought to use our mouths to bless God. I just speak the name of Jesus, whatever, just bless God. But then we turn around and use that same mouth to curse people and to gossip and to slander and use it. And that junk just breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart. It's one thing to break my heart. It's a whole other thing to break God's heart. You say, what what do you mean it breaks God's heart? Well, Ephesians 4.30 says that our sin uh, grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It literally grieves His heart. When we sin, when we use our words these ways, we break the heart of God. I don't want to do that Do you. So those are some wrong, there's probably some other wrong uses. Those are ones I pulled out of these passages. Let's talk about some right uses. First one is praising God. Obviously, that ought to be top of the list. That's that's what what James said in verse 9. With our mouth, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. We bless our Lord and Father. You know, when a person gives a eulogy, you've heard people, maybe you've done it before, gives a eulogy at a funeral. They stand up and, the, and, they, and they talk about that person. They praise the person that has gone on and has passed away. They praise them. They, they give uh, great words of, of affirmation to that person. They, they thank God for the way that person has impacted that life. That's what a eulogy is. This Greek word for bless right here is the Greek word eulogio. From which we get the word eulogize. So when you're blessing God, you are eulogizing God. Now, God hadn't, de- He ain't dead, okay, right? We know that. God's not dead, but it's the same thought that we use our mouths just like you stand up and, and praise this person that you're giving the eulogy for. Church, we need to stand up and give praise to God. We need to use our mouths to eulogize God. Say, God, you're awesome. God, you are amazing. God, you have worked in my life in so many ways. God, you have blessed me in so many ways. I can't even think about it. God, i got to tell some folks, Lord, you're so awesome. You're just so amazing. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. You're my fortress. You're my stronghold. You're my savior, my redeemer. You're my Messiah. You're my friend. You're my God. And just, man, just pouring out our praise to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you have done. I am so unworthy, Lord, but you are so worthy. I bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Man, we ought to just spin. The world has got the microphone right now. And it's spewing forth all the garbage. And the church needs to counter that with the praise of God. So you can use your mouth to either curse people and gossip and slander, or you can use your mouth to bless the Lord your God. So praise the Lord. Praise Him. I mean, what's the best use of your mouth? What's the best way to praise God? What gives God more glory? What gives God more praise? To knock someone down with your harsh words, or to build that person up and to encourage them? what gives god more glory what gives god more praise to let your tongue run away and get out of control and destroy someone in some hot gossip session or to to speak words of love and grace what gives god more glory what gives god more praise to to let your words be foul and bitter and poisonous and aggressive and abusive or to let your words be holy and clean and peaceful the right use of our words is to praise god and Secondly, to speak positive words to others. To speak positive words to others. Back to that Ephesians 4.29, the second part of that verse there, after Paul says, don't let that foul language come out, he says, here's what needs to come out. Only what is good for building up someone in need. My wife, Vicky is a big Karen Carpenter fan. How many of y'all know who the carpenters are? Let's show all the old folks in the room. How many of y'all don't know who the carpenters are? Raise your hand if you don't know who the carpenters are. Okay, so they're, they're, they're under about the age 30, 35 there. So, you know, let me tell you, carpenters were two, uh, a, hus- uh, not a husband, a, a brother and sister, Richard and Karen. Vicki's going to correct me on this because she knows it. Uh, Richard and Karen, carpenter, they were a pop singing duo called the carpenters, real original, called the carpenters, and they started in the late 60s. They were real popular during the 70s and right at the beginning of the 80s. And so every time a Carpenter song comes on, I have to shut up. If we're in a car, I just have to shut up. In fact, Vicky, why don't you come up? Oh, anyway, so I just have to shut up because if a Carpenter song comes on, I mean, she goes in, Matt, she's got an incredible Karen Carpenter voice. I mean, she can just, she just brings it, and she just loves them. Let me tell you about Karen Carpenter. She died in 1983, February of 1983, very young age. I can't remember what, how old she was, but she was very young. And the, the way she died, she died of heart failure that was brought on by the fact that she had anorexia nervosa, that eating disorder, where she just shriveled up. I mean, when you see pictures of her right before she died, her, her, her cheeks were just sunken in. She, had, she was just skin and bones, literally skin and bones. And people have speculated and believed that the reason that she Got anorexia nervosa and had that eating disorder is because some music reviewer, writing an article about the Carpenters, thought it would be cute to say that Karen was, quote, Richard's chubby sister. So that went out to the world. Karen Carpenter was Richard's chubby sister. And she ends up dying, emaciated, frail, broken woman. With an eating disorder. How would you like to be the person. The first person. Whose words. Whose words cut down to the heart. And the core of a person. To the point that you were the first one. To cause the first crack in their heart. That would lead to their life being destroyed. Well I'd never do that. Yes you do. Yes I do. Get lost in some conversation about this person over here, they'll all they'll never find out yes they will they'll find out you talked about them they'll find out you the stuff that you said especially in Florida, Mississippi I've been here long enough to figure that one out we gotta be careful speak positive words that build other people up proclaim the good news we gotta hurry I got we got, got something special to do at the end of the service Proclaiming the good news. That's another right use of our words. 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. Now, that's not saying that you've got to have an evangelism ministry where you go around the country like Billy Graham preaching in big crusades and stuff like that. But it says that you and I are evangelists. That word means that we will announce the good news of Jesus. That means you've got to use your words to do that. I know you witness with your life, and that's important, but your words need to match what your life says. And speak the good news about Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the gospel, because that's how people get saved. Paul said it. How are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? So you and I need to be the ones that proclaim the good news and use our mouths and our words to do that. And then finally, we use our words to pray in prayer. And man, there's such a need for that. Look at what, look at what James said. Uh, James, look over at James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You do that in prayer. You do that by crying out to God. You do that by calling out to God in prayer, using your mouth to pray to God. Flip over one more passage to James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Look at James chapter five verses 13 through 16. So, so, so important. In fact, over, over that passage, I have the words right there written, "The power of prayer." over James 5:13 through16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Don't talk about one another. Don't gossip about one another. Don't slander one another. Brothers and sisters, pray for one another. That you may be healed. It's the prayer of a righteous person. As great power as it is working. So use your words to pray. Last night about ten fifteen, ten twenty, I was sitting in my I was laying in bed. Vicky and I were just kind of wrapping the day up and finished up. I got a text last night. I don't mind getting a text at ten thirty or so. I'm usually still awake. If I'm not, I'll catch you in the morning. And I got a text uh, late last night about 10 15 10, 20. and this was the text that i received hey john hey brother john this is dalton burgess justin's son i've been having a lot of trouble with my knee and i have a doctor's appointment monday and i was wondering if you could anoint it with oil and pray over pray over it sometime tomorrow if you had the time i know it's kind of late and i do apologize for that well dalton's here this morning come here dalton uh, Dalton's here this morning. I asked him, I said, Dalton, I said, you've asked, you've done exactly. And I told him, I said, so cool, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 tomorrow in my sermon. I said, so how about if we just do it during the refuge worship service and let the church participate in praying for your healing of this knee that you're struggling with. He did exactly what that verse says to do. If you're sick, struggling with a knee, whatever it is, Let him call for the elders of the church. That's the pastors, the elders, pastors, the under-shepherds of the church, who will pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and ask for God's healing upon him. And so, Justin, Dalton, is that what you want me to do? Absolutely. So Dalton's asked me to do that. And so I've agreed to do that today, and I want you, church, to join with me as we pray for his healing right now. I'm going to ask you, if you will, just step right down there. If anybody want to come join me in praying for Dalton right now, you're welcome to come do that. If you want to come right now, come on. So, Father, we're going to do what your word has told us to do. And it's the right thing for us to do, Lord. Not for our glory, but for yours, God. This isn't something that I want to do in church so everybody could look up here and say, oh, man, isn't that cool that John did that? Isn't that sweet that he anointed him with oil and prayed for him? That's just such a precious thing that he did. Lord, that's that's not what this is. God, this is for us to point to you. And Dalton has asked for us to do this. Dalton has asked that we pray for him. Dalton has asked that we anoint him with oil. He has just simply done what the Word of God says for us to do. So we're just being obedient to you too, Lord. He's asked, so we're doing it. And we're going to use our words right now. Those of us standing here and those of us still in our seats, Lord, we're going to use our words right now to pray for Dalton and to pray for his healing. Lord, he has asked specifically for this knee to be healed the struggles he's having with that Lord and so we join with him and ask you Lord for healing Uh, God uh, you are Jehovah Rapha you are the God who heals you're still in the healing business Lord you do it not so that we will look good but so that we can point to you and say look at what God did and so Lord we want to praise you today God We want to lift our voices to you in prayer for dalton god that you would pray that you would uh, heal him that you would strengthen him that you would bless him father and god that he would give you glory and praise when you do that work in his life so lord we join with him right now lord and we look forward to how you're going to answer this prayer how you're going to heal him father how you're going to strengthen him in the name of the lord jesus we pray in that power and that authority not in our own lord but in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, the name Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You can go be seated. So how are you going to use your words today? About to wrap this thing up, give an invitation. A lot of ways that you could use your words this morning, even during this invitation. You could come down here and use your words and talk to me and say, you know, John, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And you could use your words and do what the Word of God says and confess Jesus as the Lord of your life and call out to Him with your mouth and be saved. You could come down here and use your words to get on your knees before the Lord and cry out to God for forgiveness over, your, over the, maybe the wrong ways you've been using your words. Maybe you're under conviction because you know you had not been using your words the right way. And you're under conviction about that. You need to come in brokenness, repentance, and come and say, God, forgive me. You might need to come down here. If you want to talk to me about that or maybe there's something else, you want to use your words to come talk to your pastor and say, I need for you to pray for me about this, and I'll join with you in that prayer just like we did for Dalton. Maybe you want to use your words to come down here and say, hey, look, I want to use my words to say I'm ready to join this church. I- I'm ready to make a commitment to this church family. It's an opportunity for you right now to use your words the right way. And so I invite you to do that as we enter into this invitation time right now. Let's pray together. Lord, help us now by the power of your spirit to do whatever it is, God, that you're speaking to into our hearts right now. And that we'll respond in obedience, Lord, and you will work in our lives, and we will give you glory and praise as we obey you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, you know there's a decision to make. You come right now as we stand together and sing. You come in obedience to him. Come on.